you run your own freelance business? Or maybe you're thinking about picking up some business on the side. Well, then you need FreshBooks. FreshBooks is the quickest and easiest way to get invoices out to your clients. It's easy to use. It works anywhere, available from any device, uh, on the desktop, iPhone, iPad, Android, and all of your data is backed up and secure. And it makes it really easy to get organized and get paid. You'll be tracking time, logging expenses, and invoicing your clients in no time. You can also save time billing, freeing up several days per month to focus on the work that you love, and you get paid faster. FreshBooks customers are paid on average five days faster because there's a link on the invoice that says pay me now. And it's a great way to grow your business. Plus, FreshBooks is offering a 30-day trial. That's right, 30-day trial if you try them out. So go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Once again, for a 30-day trial, go to gofreshbooks.com slash devchat and enter devchat in the how did you hear about us section. Hey, everybody, and welcome to another My Ruby Story. This week, we're talking to Josh Greenwood. Josh, do you want to say hi? Hi, folks. Now, uh, you were recently on Ruby Rogues. Do you want to give just a brief introduction? Yeah, sure. So my name is Josh Greenwood. I was on Ruby Rogues uh, a couple months ago. I think that just came out here um, not too long ago. Yeah, January um, 30th. I was talking, oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I was talking about the uh, the talk that I had given with Justin Searles at RubyConf last year. It was called uh, Nothing New Under the Sun. Um, you can go listen to that podcast to hear a little bit about what we were talking about. We were cataloging a lot of the um, the talks and the podcasts and the, um, just other artifacts uh, from uh, all of Ruby's history to kind of understand why someone in 2018 might want to use Ruby. It's a lot of fun to do. Um, I'm in fun. Louisville, Kentucky, and I work for a consulting company called Test Pebble. We're mm-hmm. a fully remote company, so um, I don't have any other coworkers here in Louisville with me, but we'll work remotely, and we're working with clients um, all across the country. Very cool. Yeah, that was episode 347, and... Uh... Incidentally, I wasn't actually there for that one. I think I was at CES when that one was recorded. So, I, yeah, yeah, it was a lot of fun, a lot of fun. Yeah, but it was a cool talk, and I was sad to miss it. So, anyway, I get to talk to you now. Yeah, I really appreciate you having me on today, Chuck. Yeah, no problem. So uh, let's let's talk about you. Let's talk about your history, and uh, let's dive in first to how you got into programming. Yeah. So. My, uh, my dad has always been in the, uh, the software industry, so I've always had computers kind of around the house growing up. We had um, a Linux computer. We had Windows computers. I remember um, when I was real little, uh, my dad was always really interested in Macs and really always uh, th- thought they were just the coolest things because um, he couldn't use them necessarily day-to-day at his job. So I was always kind of exposed to computers. Um, I always really liked to play video games when I was growing up. My mm-hmm. first real exposure to programming, I remember I was in, um, I think maybe like sixth or seventh grade, uh, relatively young. And I found a HTML book on, uh, on my dad's bookshelf and it went through like the, the basics of HTML and CSS. And I put together a few like just really, really ugly, bad looking websites. And I remember, I remember asking my dad, I was like, is this, is this all programming is like, do I just have to memorize this book? And that's, that's all. <laughs> and he was like, well, there's actually a little bit more to it than that. <laughs> uh, but I don't know why that, that memory really, really sticks with me though, as my, uh, you know, me just being so naive and thinking, oh, I can read this book and, and have a full, a full breadth of, uh, of information here. 
I didn't really do any more programming past that. It, it was okay to me. I didn't really enjoy, uh, enjoy putting those websites together that much, like the actual code part of it. Mm-hmm. I continued to kind of do some programming stuff, though. Like, there was a few games uh, that I played. I, I, I was trying to Google for it last night to remember the name of the game. But there's some, like, MMO RPG kind of game that you had to do a lot of, um, like, uh, fighting and in the wilderness. And there was particular things that were, that were uh, it would take many hours to do, but it was really mindless. And so I found some program that scripted this for you that you could just run all night and it would level you up and stuff. And you would have to write your own scripts um, to not get detected by by the their software to make sure you weren't cheating. So um, I did I did some scripting uh, some scripting there, and it's uh, it's I, I can't remember what the language was now. I think it was JavaScript. Um, but I didn't really consider it like programming necessarily, or you know, building applications. I was kind of just writing little scripts to to cheat on games. <laughs> it's funny to look back on now. Then I did some. Uh, some other things that were kind of in like the web development space, but still not really quite programming. I had some websites like makemoneyonline.com and like uh, <laughs> all this like affiliate marketing stuff that I found in in middle school that that people would uh, people would you know Google for how to make money online. They would end up on my on my site, and it would be a bunch of like affiliate marketing stuff, right? Uh, where you know they'd click through and I'd get you know a quarter or something. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever that I could like put these websites up and and make a little bit of money on them. They were never anything. Uh, it was all kind of like pyramid scheme kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, no one ever had to pay any any money or anything. Uh, I paid, I don't know, $20 on it or something. But I just thought it was so cool. Most of those were hosted on like GeoCities and other uh, other things like that where I didn't necessarily have to write you know, the code for them. Mm-hmm. So that was all like in middle school and, and kind of got me kind of exposure to that world, but I wasn't really doing any programming then. Then I went to, I went to high school and wasn't really doing any, any kind of development or anything. Um, I, I got much more interested in, in the business side of things. I went off to college and I declared my major to be international business. I just had like this grand idea that I was going to like travel the world and like get I don't know, Delta platinum status and, and help solve <laughs> business problems. And cause you know, you arrived when you have platinum status, right? <laughs> right, right. That, I don't know. It was just like this, this vision of myself that I had, you know, wearing the suit, walking through That's the airport. Awesome. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> so then, um, before, before I actually started college, I remember sitting down with, with my dad and he was like, look, like, I know there's this, this vision that you have. I don't, I don't know. I don't know how, like how realistic that is. Like you need, you need skills. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, so I, I was still really interested. So I would always kind of, you know, had exposure to, to those things. And I was talking to him. I was like, well, what about, what about programming? What about getting into um, computer science and, and majoring with that? So I, I got to college. I switched my major to computer engineering and computer science. And it was kind of a dual track program where uh, it was half the computer engineering side. So talking about hardware and circuits and um, uh, logic design and all of that kind of stuff and half on the the software side. At this point, I still didn't really necessarily like programming still. I picked it because it was a fine skill to have. I still really wanted to kind of get this degree and go work for, you know, a big company in management somewhere with some technical background, but not necessarily doing programming day to day. And it wasn't really until uh, I remember, again, I talked to my dad as I was getting ready for my first internship. 
this is actually a really cool thing. So I went to the University of Louisville, and uh-huh. the best part about their program is that they have three uh, co-op sections in, built into the program itself. So to graduate, you've got to do three internships. And that was that was uh, extremely useful in order to you know build the, the the skills that I have today. So I remember I remember looking back and asking him, hey, what what kind of internships like do you think I should do? Like what's going to help empower me to, to get the jobs that I want uh, when I graduate and and later in life? And at the time, um, I was starting to see see companies like Twitter and um, other other startups in the world. And think like, oh, that would be really cool. It'd be awesome to go work for a startup. And then he was telling me, well, most of them use Ruby or Ruby on Rails. Um, Twitter was the big one. I thought it would just be so cool to go work for Twitter. Mm-hmm. So I looked around in, in Louisville, Kentucky, where where I'm based. And not many people were, were writing Ruby. Were at the, at the time, not many people are writing Ruby here today. There's a lot of larger, larger corporations here. And most of them are using um, .NET and Java. And there was, that kind of limited my pool of local companies I could work with. But there was one in particular that really stuck out with me. Uh, it was a company called Apris. Mm-hmm. Um, they're doing a lot of really, really cool stuff. So whenever you, um, they, they build products that they generally sell for government contracts, but okay. they're kind of consumer facing. So one of the one of the projects that that I got to work on there, there was a lot of uh, internal tool stuff that I was building when I was there. Uh, but the business itself was working on all sorts of things. One in particular that I thought was really cool. If you were the uh, the victim of a of a violent crime, for example, and the the offender goes to prison, you can sign up for alerts to say, "Hey, um, the offender moved locations," or or the offender um, was released from prison today, or, or oh whatever, wow, in order for you to be to kind of have some peace of mind to know that you, you know you know where they are at any particular time, they're going to be notified if something changes. That's interesting. Yeah, they're doing a lot of really, really cool stuff, and they're they're putting a lot of uh, big data um, into the into the hands of of government. I know they're doing a lot of, in the healthcare space now, uh, with limiting a lot of the a lot of the uh, the drug restrictions mm-hmm. uh, for prescription medications are on a state by state basis, and so they're starting to nationalize some of those programs and doing some really interesting work. Um, so they they gave me three semesters there, and I was writing uh, Ruby. That, that whole time, and in my first semester, I knew almost nothing, and they, uh, I had some really fantastic coworkers that mentored me and helped me and, and taught me, um, and got me up and running uh, with Ruby. I remember the very first day that I got there, we spent like I don't know, six hours or something trying to get Ruby installed on my machine, and who knows how long that would have taken me to do on my own. But I had really fantastic mentors that helped me. Those those three semesters were spread out amongst the last like three and a half years, I think, uh-huh. uh, my time in undergrad. So kind of concurrently, uh, once I, once I started building my skills up, I realized that the Ruby and rails were, were really, really valuable skills. And I started doing freelancing. So I went to, um, I would find people on the internet who were wanted me to build some, some website for them, some backend for them, or they already had some rails app that they owned. And I kind of taught myself programming. Um, I, I would charge a really, really low rate just in order to get the opportunity to to work on a, a real production system out there mm-hmm. and worked on a whole bunch of these these different projects. 
um, through, through most of college. Um, so I listened to your, uh, my Ruby story yesterday and, uh, <laughs> you had, you had said, yep, I was doing a whole bunch of stuff in college and didn't really pay much attention in class. I don't think didn't do as well as sort of, uh, that, that really resonated with me. I yep. felt like, uh, I spent most of my college time, um, doing, uh, more social things, uh, and doing kind of side business stuff. Not a whole lot of time, um, devoted to, devoted to school itself. It wasn't until, um, until now that I start to appreciate some of those, those concepts, um, that I'm kind of going back and realizing, Oh, there, there actually was a, a reason for that class. You know, I, I wish I knew a little bit more about, you know, compiler design now. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's funny. I, I definitely identify with that. I, I got serious when I got married and we got pregnant. <laughs> oh, like, yeah. oh, I got, I got to get the school thing finished. <laughs> oh, for sure. For sure. I, I'm just a little bit curious. So you learned Ruby at these internships in college. So uh, did that convince you that Ruby was where you wanted to spend your career? Or was was there some other plan? Or were you just kind of, oh, well, this was cool. This is an internship and I'll go get a real job when I'm done. Yeah. So so I actually, that's actually a really, really great question. So it wasn't until, and I didn't spend enough time on that. It wasn't until I, I learned Ruby and I, that I actually developed that love for programming. So mm-hmm. in all of my college classes, we were writing C or basic, or, um, we weren't even programming at all. We were, you know, writing out right. pseudocode on paper. Um, it wasn't until I wrote Ruby that I'm like, this is awesome. I can write a few lines of code and, and do something. I can build something. And, um, it, it, to me made programming far more approachable than, than chaining, chasing, you know, pointers all throughout my program, wondering why I had stack overflows all the time. I didn't really, I didn't really get it until then. So I learned Ruby and I'm like, Oh my gosh, like this is, this is fun. I, I enjoy mm-hmm. doing this. And you know, that's when I started doing the freelancing stuff for the money. Cause I was a, a poor college student, yep. but also because it was fun. I liked it. I liked building stuff and I liked, um, I liked interacting with clients and, and helping them solve whatever business challenges they were, they were looking to solve. Yeah. What, what was the appeal to you f- with Ruby? I mean, you know, you, you mentioned that you, you really liked it, but what was it? What was it that drew you in? I think the the general approachability is why I initially got drawn in by it. By um, you, you could feel like so even even a year into using it, I felt like I was proficient enough that I knew what mm-hmm. I didn't know in a lot of cases, right. and could easily find a Google away. Um, I was really involved in Stack Overflow um, when I, as I was learning, answering questions and asking questions, and the, you know the community was was super helpful, and I felt like. Um, you could ask a question and get an answer within a few minutes. And it was all just such a quick feedback loop compared to um, the the academic work that that I was doing, where we take you know all semester to to work on a project. Makes sense. So, what have you done with Ruby that you're particularly proud of or excited to talk about? Yeah, so so now I work for um, for a, like I said, a company called Test Double. Yeah. So, in most of my client engagements, I am using Ruby and looking to provide as much business value as I can with the language. Um, I try to switch off um, between every client engagement that I do. I try to do a, a Ruby and a Rails project um, and then a something else project and then come back and do a Ruby and Rails project mm-hmm. and then something else. There was a, we, we talked a little bit about the the talk that I'd given with, with Justin Searles um, at RubyConf last year, uh, nothing new. That was uh, that's probably my my proudest Ruby moment uh, thus far. Um, it was it was such such a such a blast to give that talk with him. Right. 
as well as doing all of the research and prep for it was mm-hmm. just, it was so much fun watching all of those old conference talks and so much fun reading through all those blog posts and getting to know um, some of the some of the Ruby history that, that I wasn't around for, uh, as well as just even getting Justin's perspective on oh yeah I remember I remember this that was that was fun back in the day, um, it was a lot of fun. Yeah, that that's awesome, and I love Justin's talks. They they always seem very well thought out, and yeah, he definitely thinks deeply about a lot of this stuff. So. Yeah, for sure. And and working with him too has has inspired me to to put um to put more of of my of my ideas and, and share some of my ideas. And there's a particular thing that he always says to me which is just just ship something. You know, if if you've got a blog post, uh you know, whenever I first started that's the one I'm like, "Hey, can you review this? I don't want to want to be wrong." And he's like, "I'll just merge it." You know, yep. I'll, I'll I'll read through it later. We'll see if you're wrong, we're wrong. We'll, we'll change it. <laughs> but, but just that that ability to to fail. Um, and, and that's okay, uh, has been, uh, has been really, literally gratifying. And I get to kind of see that firsthand a lot as I was working through this talk with them. Nice. So what are you working on now? So right now, um, I just finished up giving a talk at a local conference called Code Palooza here in Louisville uh-huh. called, uh, a better technical interview. And, uh, throughout the talk, I'm just talking about the things that we do at Testable that I find really, really refreshing in our interview process. And, and the, the thesis of the talk is that we spend most of our time when we're thinking about our interviewing processes at our companies, we spend most of the time thinking about kind of the perfect candidate mm-hmm. and the people that we're going to hire. But the reality is that most companies, you're not going to hire a very, a very large subset of the people you're going to interview. Right. And you need to think about all the other people and, and all the other categories and, and the experiences that they have. Maybe um, they are going to come through your process and you think that they're a great fit for the role, but they the offer wasn't great or they weren't really um, attracted to the company, weren't attracted to the projects you're working on. Um, or maybe the inverse, maybe uh, a candidate comes through and they're really excited about working for you, mm-hmm. but for whatever reason, you don't think that they're a good fit. Those are going to be most of the candidates in your pool. And if we're not thinking about our processes in terms of these people, we're going to create a lot of bad outcomes for other people. And a lot of our communities are small. The Ruby community is really small. When we can provide good experiences and give good feedback and be open and honest during our processes, we're able to, uh, we're, we're able to create good experiences for, for all of the candidates. And, and we're much more likely to have people apply again or uh, refer a friend to our jobs. And that would help solve a lot of the uh, the hiring problems that a lot of the people or a lot of the companies that, that I've seen tend to have. Um, so that's that kind of just ra- wrapped up giving that talk. So that was taking up a lot of my time uh, prior to this week. It was a lot of fun to to give that talk and to talk to talk to people about it afterwards. Um, and it really resonated with with a lot of folks. Um, so I'll probably try to submit that to some other conferences as well. So if you're listening and uh, you're at a conference and you'd, you'd love to hear that talk, uh, I'd love to give it. The, the other things that I am working on right now are learning Elm. So I, I got to uh, use Elm uh, on a client project uh, a few months back. Mm-hmm. And playing with the language has been such such a blast. Um, everything that I've disliked about doing front-end web development uh, over the years, Elm seems to solve almost all of those problems for me. Um, there's one way to do things. And the code that, that you end up writing is extremely maintainable. And you can, you can just get it. You can understand that really big, complex system really quickly uh, in the language. And that's, that's, really, um, that's really quite different and quite a departure from uh, a lot of the, the front-end code that I've, that I've seen. 
the last thing that I'm working on that's taking up a lot of my time is uh, my wife and I are going to be moving. So we're moving to uh, northern Ohio, a town called Fremont. Uh, that's about two hours north of Columbus. She accepted a job up there. So uh, if you're if you're in Cleveland or you're in Toledo or you're in Columbus, uh, I'd love to come come visit you. I'd love to come to uh, to local uh, Ruby meetups. Love to meet some Rubyists up there as well. But please reach out. I'd love to hear from you. Very cool. So do you have any uh, picks for us? For you, the listeners of Ruby Rogues, Loot Crate is offering an opportunity to save 10% on any new subscription at LootCrate.com. Just enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Loot Crate is one of my favorite things. Every month I get a box in the mail, costs less than $20, and it comes with all kinds of goodies. I have stuff from just looking at my shelf, Batman, Spider-Man, Ninja Turtles, Back to the Future, Lord of the Rings, Star Wars, and much, much more. So if you're a geek, a gamer, anything like that, and you want cool stuff to put around your office, uh, cool t-shirts, comic books, etc., then definitely check out Loot Crate. To save 10% on your new subscription, go to lootcrate.com slash ruby. Again, that's lootcrate.com slash ruby to save 10% on any new subscription. Enter the promo code BRIDGE10 for 10% savings. Yes, I do. I've got two picks today. The first is a book that um, my coworker, Kevin Barabow, has been telling me to read for several years that I'm just now finally getting to. It's called The Secrets of Consulting by Jerry Weinberg. Uh-huh. And it is one of the worst titled books I have ever, I've ever seen. Um, <laughs> it definitely gives some great consulting advice, uh, but I've always kind of avoided talks, or excuse me, uh, books with, um, I don't know, not necessarily inflammatory, but a little bit clickbaity titles. Right. Um, this one, this one is fantastic. Uh, so to give you an example, he, he kind of goes through, um, a lot of different behaviors of, of people and how we can help them and, and understand the, the behaviors. So one particular, one particular thing he talks about, he calls the law of raspberry jam. And he gives a name to, uh, this, uh, idea that he has, which is the wider you spread yourself, kind of the thinner your message gets. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times I'll like drop an article in Slack or I'll push this to Twitter or something. Um, and it's a really good reminder to me that that's a really thin message. We can't necessarily reach a lot of people as opposed to like one-on-one time that we're having now. Uh, we can get, we can get a much, uh, you can get to know someone a lot better right. uh, by one-on-one versus, you know, not, not, not spreading yourself but really thin. Um, so he talks about a whole lot of different stuff like that and thinking, thinking through the problems that you're wanting to solve and then giving you strategies on, on how to solve those. It's a, it's a fantastic book. I would recommend to everyone, um, not necessarily just consultants. Um, the other recommendation I have is a system that I've been using called the bullet journal. Uh, I've been using it for about two months now. And what the bullet journal is, is it's a, it's a physical notebook that mm-hmm. you write in and you, you keep daily notes in, you, in daily to do lists. Um, I've got the notes uh, for the podcast uh, in this journal as well. I've never really found like a to-do list uh, organizational method I've liked that much. Uh, prior to this, I was using org mode and Emacs. And <laughs> I love org mode. Was, yeah, I love it too. But it's just it's just too much though, I think. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might go back to it someday. Uh, but uh, I was finding myself spending way too much time writing writing Emacs lists, trying to get, get things synced up between computers and, and all that. So this right. is a physical notebook. Um, and the reason that I like it so much is because it's really, it's really forgiving. So you have an index at the beginning uh, and it's really easy to find stuff and it's okay if things, um, you don't really necessarily have to know 
how much space you want for something to take uh, ahead of time. Each page just kind of flows independently. So it's, it's a little hard to describe. You can go to bulletjournal.com. They've got a, a physical notebook you can buy from them. You can also buy mm-hmm. um, similar ones from, from Amazon or wherever um, you like to shop. But the system itself, I, I think, is really, really valuable. Um, and that's all for me for picks today. Awesome. Very cool. Um, I've got a few picks. So I'm pretty sure this will come out right before Ruby Hack, which is a conference in Salt Lake City. So uh, I will be there. I would love to meet people if you're coming out to that. Um, I'm also speaking at the conference. So uh, keep an eye out for that. I got to get going on, uh, you know, kind of finalizing some things on my talk. But um, Cool. What are you speaking about? Blockchain. Awesome. So... Yeah, that's something that I've kind of been fiddling with lately. Uh, the other thing that I've been playing with is automation. And there are some pretty awesome automation tools out there. So, um, you know, uh, definitely check them out as well. Uh, the, the ones that I've been playing with, mainly because they've been sponsoring the show, the shows are uh, Airbrake and uh, Rollbar, which both are error tracking systems. But there are so many other systems that you can use just to make things easier, do continuous integration, all that stuff. So uh, kind of interesting stuff there. And then um, <clears throat> for anyone who's interested in Angular, I know that I have an Angular show, and you probably listen to it if you do Angular. Uh, I did a bunch of interviews at NG Atlanta, which is a conference that they did in Atlanta. And uh, those videos are now up on YouTube. So if you go to devchat.tv slash YouTube, um, you can go see the NG Atlanta interviews playlist. Uh, there are 16 videos. I think the longest one's like 20 minutes and the shortest one's like five. And most of them are about 10 minutes. So, you know, you're, you're talking a few hours worth of content, maybe. But uh, anyway, I, I basically talked to all of the speakers and then a few other folks who do interesting things that I already knew that whose companies were sponsoring or something like that. So uh, check that out. And then... Yeah, anyway, I've just kind of been playing with a lot of these things. So I've been neck deep in uh, ScreenFlow, uh, doing some idiot uh, video, putting stuff together, um, and really been enjoying that. I've also been using ScreenFlow to record my uh, Get a Job course. So I'm, I'm going to pick ScreenFlow as well, just because it's it's easy and nice uh, to use. So I echo that. ScreenFlow is fantastic. I used it to, um, to record my talk last week. Nice. Um, and it's, I find it far easier than all of its competitors. Yeah, I agree. And a lot of times I just load all the content in and then use it for editing. But uh, it, it is kind of set up for a screen recording as well, and that's it, it works really nicely for that. So I'm going to pick both of those. Now, if people want to see what you're working on these days, uh, do you have a blog or can they follow you on Facebook or Twitter or GitHub or things like that? Yeah, the best place to find me online anywhere is going to be at Josh T. Greenwood on Twitter. Um, you can find me at that at, at GitHub or, or anywhere else. Also, I'm doing a lot of writing for the Test Double blog. So you can find that at blog.testdouble.com. And you can hear all about the, the kind of clients that we're working at right now um, and the interesting things that we're doing um, in the Ruby community as well as other languages as well. All right. Sounds great. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me today, Chuck. I appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Uh, We'll wrap this one up and we'll catch everyone next week. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.